This is Tony Johnson with Heron.org. I'm here today with Patricia Ferrar-Rivas of Veris Wealth Partners to discuss their practice in impact investing. Hi, Patricia. Hey, Tony. How are you? Very good. So my first question has to do with the types of impact services you provide and maybe a glimpse for our listeners of a typical impact client. And if you have some clients that are way ahead of the curve and pushing you on this, that would be great too. So we are 100% devoted to sustainable impact ESG investing wealth management firm. And so we offer impact strategy advice and we offer, offer that as an investment advisor, but we also consult to foundations that are moving to a mission-related investing or an impact investing strategy. We also provide due diligence in the sense that we're constantly doing due diligence on both public and private managers. We don't sell that information, but that's part of our investment advisory services when clients are working with us. We also do asset management, meaning we build portfolios. We're a manager of managers. We're out looking for other fund managers and separate account managers that are out there actually doing the due diligence on the individual company. We provide a certain level of impact reporting, understanding that this area of the field is growing and we're still working on how can we do it as best as possible, but we're putting significant efforts into how do we actually have a performance report that includes impact that it's not just a secondary aspect of performance, but it's integrated in performance. And right now, a good deal of that, we're looking at all of the companies a client invests in and we're getting anecdotal reporting in certain instances. In other instances, we're able to look at clients' portfolios and say, what percentage of your portfolio is dedicated to low carbon companies? What percentage of your portfolio is dedicated to companies that support gender lens investing? So that is definitely evolving. And we also work with our clients to develop their impact investing policy and process and give a level of philanthropic advice. So we will often bring in other philanthropic advisors too, depending on the needs of our clients. And we work with donor advised funds. And so the full range of opportunities for our clients that are also looking at what kind of decisions they're making about how they're structuring their philanthropic dollars and how that will work best for them to have that committed as much as possible, if not 100% to impact investments. It's not unusual for us to have a client that has more expertise in a particular impact thematic area as an industry than we do. You know, We are a generalist looking for the best opportunities in multiple impact thematic areas. And so we tend to attract people that have a lot of expertise in that area. We also attract more women than men. It's pretty balanced, but but slightly more women than men. I think women often prefer to enter into the financial industry with conversations that are about the companies that they're investing in and the role they play in the world versus looking at a set of statistics that are just purely looking at performance or correlation. Very early on in the divest invest movement, clients came to us and asked for a portfolio that's as fossil fuel free as possible. And then also, we have had very early movers in regards to building 
portfolios with a gender lens. Great. So it's interesting. You said that you guys have been doing impact investing since inception. Could you talk a little bit more about why you got into impact investing and any learning curve that you guys have experienced in comparison with how traditional investing works? And how does it compare to a general rise in the market in terms of all investing? So I would say for the partners of Veris, and also probably for a number of our new wealth managers and employees, the financial services industry was our first learning curve. Before Veris, all of the partners were involved in other sustainable investing firms or firms that were doing socially responsible investing. A number of our partners came to the financial services world to make change. We have backgrounds in social justice, environmental justice, in issues around inequality. So we came from that background seeing the financial services industry as an instrument to change the world and recognizing that business and economies are a key driver in the end results of whether or not we're going to be in a community that is sustainable and supports the individuals in that community, but of course also supports a healthy planet. We have put a lot of energy and time into being skilled wealth managers because we bring a lot of the understanding of the issues that are underlying issues around the impact investment. So whether it's having expertise in housing and looking at issues around the evolution of green real estate and whether that green real estate meets both issues around the environment, but also meets issues about providing low-income housing opportunities. So for us, we've always come at it from that point of view. I would say one of the challenges as the impact investing industry grows, I mean, for us, we moved from understanding environmental, social, and governance criteria to really having an analysis around sustainability, which believing that there are sustainable business models and that sustainable business models, we believe over the long run, are going to perform better than business models that don't take into account sustainability issues to really moving to the challenge of understanding every investment you make has an impact. Everything has an impact. It's not always a good impact. And we're seeking good impacts. And in seeking good impacts, and I think this is a challenge for us and all of the industry, there is not always a complete agreement on what is a good or what is a bad impact. As you move from a carbon economy to a low carbon economy, what's the best route to get there? As generalists, it's important that we're staying up to date on what's evolving there because we get challenged which we love. We are constantly challenged by our clients because, as I said, many of them know more about these issues than we do. And so we're always going to be on top of that so that we have the information. We know what is available in the landscape of impact investing. And we understand or we seek to understand as best we can the differences and how the theory of change of that impact investment is going to align with the theory of change with our clients' theory of change. And that's the real evolving challenge. So when you're thinking about impact investments, how broadly do you decide what's an impact investment or not? And particularly with public equities, where do you land on these screening methodologies and, and how does it fit into your practice? 
So I like to think about the bullseye, and it varies from client to client. So our job is to understand the impacts our clients want to have. Then understand with each investment, whether it's a fund or a manager, we don't do direct investments into companies. But if the investment process for that fund and manager, whether there is real rigor in it. And so, you know, we're not saying this is a good impact, that is a bad impact. We're saying these are the range of impact. We wouldn't want to invest in something that we felt that the process that they're using and identifying whether or not a company has strong environmental or social governance practices, if that was weak, we wouldn't go with them and then consider them to be light impact, right? We would consider light impact something where they're taking from a rigorous point of view, a broader approach to what's having impact. So that could be in the public markets and the way they're looking at sustainability. You could say a manager that's saying, we believe companies that have impact are those companies that take sustainability issues into account and are looking at all of these issues within a company and therefore they have really high quality management. And although there may be some products and services that are not impact products, that company as a whole is really moving forward in a sustainably minded way. And we believe that they could have really broad impact across an industry in a particular area. But we would be able to look at that and discuss that with a client. That might be too broad for them. They may want to be saying, I'm going to allocate a portion of my portfolio in this really high impact. And so we have to balance that with what is the portfolio doing for the client? Is this a portfolio that they live off? Is it a foundation that they have to produce 5% a year for? How do we meet those with what is available, what products are available within the impact area that they're interested in? Most of our clients have kind of a broad approach to impact. So it includes environment and community and health and poverty alleviation and women's issues. And so there's a broader set of opportunities that are impact opportunities. Our job is to say, these are the ones that we feel that are very highly aligned with you. This is the next tier out. These are ones that are going to have broader impact, but yes, are moving the industry forward in a positive way. Maybe these are the ones on the outside that you're really just looking at environmental, social, and governance criteria, maybe doing some shareholder engagement for your impact. So we see shades of impact and try to align that with our client's goals. As a service, do you use any kinds of research or other services to help your clients educate more traditional investors? So we have services versus use services. I mean, we do participate in conferences. We do participate in putting out thought pieces. We do blogs. We send those to our clients and hopefully encouraging them that they will send those to other folks. And those blogs or papers and when we're speaking at conferences are often educational. They're not sales presentations. They're education about what's happening in regards to how do you build a low carbon portfolio? How do you build a gender lens portfolio? What is SASB doing? This the Sustainable Accounting Standards Board. So we're part of a member of Confluence. I sit on the Sustainable Accounting Standards Board Standards Council. We all with, across the firm participate in different local opportunities where we interact with our clients and engage with them to help build impact investing, having our clients attend conferences that are going to support them, whether it's for foundations or families or around a specific thematic area. We also do discussion meetings. We're doing one called the Uncommon Conversation right now of bringing 
our clients and other people together to talk about the issues of how do we shift culture to be able to create a transition society to address issues of inequality. So we use every tool that is out there that's possible as a way for us to be out there in the world, but also inviting our clients along to that. So how closely do you track impact performance? If a company's going south on impact, maybe it's doing okay even financially. How do you work with clients on whether to actively engage or divest? So for us, it would not be a specific company, but it would be a manager and a fund. And so we are looking at the underlying holdings in that manager or fund, and it could be public or private. And we're talking to our clients about what is in that portfolio. We talk about what the expectations are going into the portfolio. We have clients that from a alternative energy point of view, and they may have specific concerns. Maybe they don't want to be investing in wind because they have concerns about issues with animal rights. Therefore, we're really trying on the front end to kind of tease out all of the main impact concerns for our clients. And so going into it, they know whether that matches their impact concerns. Now, on a broader level, if we continue to look at a manager of fund and continue to see issues, generally, we're not going in there in the first place. But if a manager changes their strategy, we're looking at the underlying companies they're buying and constantly seeing, does this meet our sense of what the manager was intending to do? what their mandate is from an impact point of view in the first place. And we will terminate managers because of their impact approach. And it happens more on the public side than it does on the private side. On the public side, we've looked at funds where considered to be environmentally sustainable index funds, for example, and you look and you go, oh my goodness, they own (laughs) it. so-and-so, like, why do they own this? And, and you're basically meet with the manager, said, you have this criteria, why is this here? There may be reasons that they think that they're doing in regards to engagement, and we will see whether or not we really think that that response holds water. And if it doesn't hold water, we will divest from those, and that's a decision that we make both on a firm-wide level, but we'll still bring that information to our clients and report out to our clients what the manager is doing and that there's a change and terminate them. Most of the time we're doing it on the firm level, but there have been times, especially if it's a specific environmental issue, like this manager now is buying wind power. So we have to let the client know that that's a specific concern of them. They don't want to be there. Then we're going to terminate the manager. Impact investing seems to be increasing in momentum. Why do you think this is happening now? And how does it relate to longer term economic trends? I think it's happening now because the sustainability issues that for decades people have felt were going to have significant impact on the economy and individuals' day-to-day lives are happening. So I think there's this combination of, yes, people have been doing socially responsible investing, impact investing for 30 years or more. And the business argument, the sustainability argument, the risks associated with these sustainability issues are becoming more and more clear, not just to the public, but to investors, individual investors, but also institutional investors that are looking at this poses a serious risk, not only to individuals, but poses risk to our portfolio. 
embryo. I think that that is moving this ahead much faster when you see CalPERS integrating sustainability into its portfolio process because they believe that from a moral point of view that addressing these issues is going to build a better world for their pensioners, but also because they recognize that there are financial risks that those pose in their portfolio, not just climate, but issues in regards of income inequality. If we don't start addressing issues around income inequality and we don't start supporting the integration of women and people of color into leadership, into companies and financial companies in this country, we will not have a middle class. And the decision is becoming much clearer that this is the direction to go. It's affecting people's lives and their portfolios on a daily basis. Great. Well, thank you so much, Patricia. Oh, well, thank you, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) For Heron.org, this is Tony Johnson.